Welcome to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. I'm Deb Coviello, and as the Drop-In CEO, I drop into businesses and assume the CEO role to mitigate crises and help teams get back on track. This podcast is about helping the C-suite leader to navigate challenges with confidence. For today's leader, I'm here to help you get back on track. Tomorrow's leader, let me partner with you to learn the secrets of the C-suite. Wherever you're at in your career, this is the podcast for you. Hello, I am Deb Coviello, founder of The Drop-In CEO, and I want to thank you for joining us for another episode of the podcast where each week I get to speak to amazing leaders, share their insights with you, and hopefully inspire you. And if you love this interview, and I know you will, please subscribe, rate, review, tell others, tell others so that we can share this great resource with you. And I do this because I want to help the C-suite leader of today and tomorrow navigate their challenges with confidence. And with that, I am so honored to share the mic with my guest, Devin Miller, who loves startups and small businesses. And it's through his company that he helps these entities with their patents and trademarks and copyrights. And it is my sincere pleasure to welcome him onto the show to share his insights and educate us as well. So Devin, welcome to the Drop-In CEO podcast. Well, thank you for having me on. Right as you introduced me, I started coughing. So don't know. Maybe that's a good sign or a bad sign, but uh, definitely excited to be here and appreciate you having me on. Yeah. You know, and the thing of it is, is this is really not scripted at all. This is authentic. I tell my producers, do not cut out any of the things. I don't want the uhs and ums. This is real conversation. My listeners get to be a fly on the wall, but this gives me an opportunity to get to know you better and how you serve others because you never know who's listening, who in the network might need your services. But for my listeners a little bit, I found that what Devin does is extremely important because so many of you, and I know many of you, may be people that help other small and medium-sized business in your area of expertise. And they may have these challenges that Devin can help you with. And on the flip side, if you are still working in a company, maybe some of his insights you can bring to your company to maybe think about some of these things to protect them. But if you're thinking about starting your own business, Devin may be the person that may be able to help you through some of this, some of these challenges. So please, I've talked enough. I would love for you, Devin, to share a bit about yourself personally and about the work that you're doing. Absolutely. Well, that's that's a whole uh, interview and uh, conversation in and of itself, but I'll try and give the, the shorter version to it. So this is maybe a, a bit of a background on myself for the audience. So I ended up getting educational wise, uh, four degrees, which my wife always jokes is three degrees too many. So um, had an undergraduate, did electrical engineering as well as uh, Mandarin Chinese. And then I did a law degree as well as an MBA degree, master's of business administration. Um, and with that, you know, I, I've always had or basically had two passions that I've kind of chased with my career. One is I enjoy the the legal side, help or doing on intellectual working on intellectual property with patents and trademarks and other things. And I've also loved and done uh, entrepreneurial type of things, was, uh, doing startups and small businesses. So I've ended up, I don't know, chasing, but doing uh, both paths and uh, doing le- or law work full time. I started out working for large law firms um, several years ago, decided wanted to pursue my own law firm. And so set that up to focus on startups and small businesses. And then throughout that same journey, I've also uh, done several uh, startups and small businesses, everything from fun family businesses up to, to seven and eight bigger businesses and enjoyed all of it. So it's been it's been a fun journey. And last thing is uh, married uh, for now 16 years, have four kids ages seven to 12. So mm. 
you have a very full life. How do you and your significant other manage it all? Lots of time and effort, I guess. I don't know. I mean, we. I think it's if you enjoy it, you have fun. So I, I love be. I love my wife. Love my kids. Have makes it fun. I enjoy business. I enjoy or, or be able to work on businesses or help other businesses. And so I think more than anything, it's just enjoy the enjoyment of overall what we do makes it so that uh, we we find the time and and find the balance. Because I was going to ask you about the balance because at times sometimes. Sometimes you have to rely on a support structure at home because you do need to invest more time in serving others or your business. But I'm just curious, just for others, I mean, do you have set clear boundaries or understandings or you have your time, but then when you get home, you've got this. So how do you manage that and being you know, grounded in what's important to you? Yeah, I mean, ebb and flows, right? So there have been probably periods in my life where it's got out of balance and it's been more difficult and other times where I feel it's been pretty settled and found a good balance. And, uh, you know, I think probably my best rule of thumb was that, you know, when I'm at work, I'm doing work. I'm putting out as many fires as I can. I'm or managing as many things as I can. When I go home and I'm with the family, I put work aside. You know, there's always the exception of something absolutely has yeah. to be done or there's a deadline that can't be missed. We'll all get it done. Um, but by and large, I basically said, hey, there's always going to be more fires to put out, always more things to do at work. When I do go home, that's when I focus on the, the time with the family and put that focus. And so that's not a you know a hard and fast rule necessarily as far as you know any definitive. I don't know. I have a I'm always going to be home by X amount of time or I'm always going to do X activities. Yeah. But I do always say when I'm at home, I disengage and I'm going to focus on whatever I'm doing at that time. You know, I find that sound grounding principles because I find so many professionals that are coming up, they they love their work, but then that love turns into running them and then they find their value in being uh, firefighters all the time. And then by the next the time they know it, time has passed them by, they don't no longer feel fulfilled and then they're missing out on the things that they actually enjoy. So I appreciate you reinforcing the uh, balance that you have to constantly manage so that you can invest time in the things that you love to do. But let's just get back to, I have to ask you a few things. You talked about, okay, I did this, I did this, and I did this. But I have to ask you why. So in the process of you going through your law profession, what was it that was that trigger, that inspiration that says, I want to work with small and medium-sized companies? Yeah, I mean, I don't know I could put a, a definitive uh, point on it. I think a, a few things. So one, as I said, I it, it probably more starts when I went back and was uh, deciding what I wanted to do when I grew up. And I still feel like I'm deciding what I want to do when I grew up every day. <laughs> yeah. Um, but with that, I was coming out of undergraduate and I said, I got the degrees in electrical engineering as well as Chinese. My focus was on electrical engineering. I just happened to serve a uh, religious mission for my church in Taiwan for a couple of years. So pick that up as a second uh, degree. Uh, but I was basically kind of trying to, as coming out of undergraduate and I where I was saying, hey, I like engineering, but I don't want to be an engineer in the sense that, you know, engineers, they, people are great. I have a lot of engineers in the family, but they work on long projects for an extended period of time. You're typically a small cog in a big wheel for the, the bulk of your career. And I just, that wasn't the path for me. And I didn't want to necessarily go down that path. And so that's where I was kind of making the decision of, do I do, I enjoyed the idea of doing my own business and startup and managing that. And I also found uh, the legal aspect of intellectual property to be interesting. And so, you know, kind of a lot of people, you say, okay, I'll choose one path or I'll choose the other. 
And for me, it was, I'm going to go right down the middle and do both of them. And so that's kind of where I got. So I now fast forward a little bit, came out of law school and needed experience, wanted to work under somebody that I could get some guidance and mentorship and understanding. But it was always kind of with the intent of, you know, I would always like to do my own thing at some point. And so for about first six years of my career, worked for some large law firms, got great experience, worked with clients, including Amazon and Intel and Red Hat and Ford and others. Um, but it was always kind of, you know, back in my mind, one, I was I was always doing my, I you know, people call it a side hustle. I always call it a second full-time job, uh, but I was, you know, always doing that side hustle. And so then it got basically the point of, hey, enough of the side hustles. I'd like to be able to have the flexibility, spend more time on them when I want to, as well as, uh, you know, with a law firm is pretty, you know, there are a lot of good things about big law firms, but they are pretty rigid. They have a set way of doing it. You usually have multiple partners, lots of decisions, more bureaucracy. And I just said, that's not where I want my career to go. So I decided to start Miller IP Law, start my own law firm. And, you know, the other thing is I was saying, what sets apart or where do I want the law firm to go? It was kind of what what are the clients I like to work with? What are the types of businesses? And it was startups and small businesses that are more fun. You're giving them more direction. You're going to be more impactful for the business. They're earlier on. They're more excited. So all of that kind of came together and said, okay, I'm going to start my start my own law firm. So I've done that now four or five years ago, somewhere in there. I started out focused on startups and small businesses, also chasing uh, some of my other businesses alongside of it and been doing it ever since. Yeah, we'll go there. And I love the signage that you have behind you, helping startups and small businesses and a beautiful plaque, Miller IP Law, focused on innovation. So what I like about what you said was while you started out in one pursuit in electrical engineering, you said, I don't think I want to do this. So then you proceeded to get the other degree as well. And at the same time, deciding I can change, I can do this, or this is what I don't want. And I think so many professionals as they're coming up, Start someplace and then stay there, regardless of even giving a moment of thought of like, do I really like this? <laughs> and do I want to get that second degree? Do I want to take my skills and take them to a completely different industry? We just don't slow down and reflect and not only make the decision to do something different, but then actually act on it. And I find so many people 20, 30 years into their career, they're frustrated and wonder, how did I get here versus taking control and just doing it, even if people say you're crazy. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. but uh, And again, the degrees as well. So you start out electrical, then you got law, but then you also got a master's in business. Like, Tell me again about that. How did you then get the business degree on top of that as well? So I always figured if I was going to be in school, I was I was going to do as I was going to do as much as I could within the time that I was there. And so I always did dual degrees at the same time. So undergraduate uh, was electrical engineering and Chinese at the same day, or same time, took classes on both sides. And then when I went out to or off to law school and MBA school, I did the same thing. So I did a dual uh, JD MBA, a law degree and an MBA degree. Um, nice thing is, is, you know, when I was packing those together, is, you know, for the undergraduate, it took me a little over five years to get both degrees. And then with the law school and the MBA degree, it took four years instead of five. And so if you're to do them separately, MBA is typically two years, law degree is three years. When you're able to overlap them, then you can cut one year out and basically get them in four years. And so I said, hey, I enjoy business, think it'd be great. Why not get, you know, different aspects of an education also can condense that down into a, a shorter period of time. And so just, uh, Packed it on, did uh, two degrees at a time, both for undergraduate and graduate school, and uh, plowed through until I was done. So smart. And I wonder, where do you get your energy from? You only sleep a couple <laughs> hours a night, I bet, right? 
You know, I sleep more than I did. I used to. So I, I usually, I used to, I said when I was, and my, I, my wife always gives me a hard time because earlier on in the, my, both my career and education, I would, I sleep four or five hours a night and she would, I would always be the one that's late to bed and uh, relatively early to rise. And she would always get to bed early and now it's flipped. So now I'm usually the one that gets to bed earlier. She gets to bed later and I usually get a, a much fuller night's sleep. But, you know, I look back and when I was doing the law degree, the MBA degree, this kind of set the stage. So I was studying law degree, MBA degree. I was doing a law clerk position. So I was working about 20 hours a week. And during that, I also did my first startup, which is still going today and it's now a, an eight figure business. And so at that time, I don't know where I got all the time. I just er, always kept seeming to, to pile things on a bit more and uh, figure out enough time to, to get it all done. And uh, that's probably, if I were to look back, the one area that I didn't balance as well as with family. I, it's not that I wasn't there or did, did that, but my wife was great. She supported me. We sacrificed a lot. We got through it. And now it's been a much better balance. But at that point, it was a lot on education, getting a career going and uh, and otherwise pursuing that. So I don't know if that answers your question, but that's as good an answer as I have. No, it does. Again, it's just curious. How do we all get it done? And I'm sure people look at me. It's like, Deb, you got a podcast. You do this. You do this. You wrote a book. How do you do it all? Well, we love it. We find a way and yep. cut certain things out, but still sleep. Oh, my God, that's so important. Now, we will get into what you do and how you serve others, but I still want to ask you, you've got three companies that you're the CEO founder of, the Bear Den, Custom LDS, Action Design. Just tell me just a little bit more of these and why these businesses that you started up. I'm just curious. I'll give you the shortest answers. They all sounded like fun. So now I'll give you the more embellished So walking through, so the main businesses that I'm focused on now are, so obviously Miller IP Law, the law firm, I run that full time. Um, the Bear Den is a mobile food truck, um, and during the winter, it is hot chocolate and donuts, and during the summer, it is build-your-own cookies and popcorn. Uh, but that one is a one that was kind of fun because I was looking for an opportunity. My kids are still small, but wanted them to have an opportunity to learn business, earn some money. I always thought it sounded like fun, so that's kind of where that got to and, and where that got started. And so that's one where I, I spend time. It's usually more on like Friday afternoons as people are going in or going out for the evening or on a Saturday or that, but we'll do it uh, with the kids. Another one that I are doing now is um, so built it into a company. It didn't start out as a company, was a lead generation tool. So it was really just a software tool that we were building internal. We started out doing it manually, built a software tool to use it internally. We liked it enough that we're now launching it as a separate company for as, as a SaaS product. And that one's eaten up a pretty good amount of time as well as everything else. And so that one I focus on. Custom LDS is another uh, small family business. Just got started or had a, a small idea. It's not a huge business, but it, is, it makes it fun. And my my wife does a little bit of work with it. My kid comes in about once a week and gets to, to, to participate. Um, and then the last one is I don't do as much. I'm much more uh, passive and is more just an owner or investor. Um, but the one I started in MBA school, that one's still going and that one's now launched into the atmosphere. It's a wearables technology company for diabetes monitoring. And that one I that one I did I primarily just uh, maintain ownership in, but I I've stepped back with the or some of the other endeavors I've done. So I had to go there because I just find your background so interesting. But now I just want to go to what you do. So I guess what I want to understand is like 
tell me about, you know, the client that, you know, you serve and, and maybe a, a story about maybe a particular situation, either they were in a tough situation when they showed up on your doorstep, what were some of their legal challenges and what was your approach to help them? Because I want people to have a deep understanding of the kind of work that you do. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, I don't know that I have a lot of stories where my clients, I'm sure there are, and not that there aren't some, but by and large, the reason I like intellectual property, as opposed to a lot of areas of law is one, nothing against them. I have friends who do it. I didn't want to be an ambulance station, personal injury. That just sound like, you know, that just didn't sound interesting to me. Didn't want to work with that or have that type of lifestyle litigator they're always in the they have ups and downs where they are completely checked out for a long period of time divorce law i didn't want to work with people that were getting divorced all the time i wanted to focus on my marriage and keep you good so all of those is kind of those are the aspects of law where a lot of times you go to an attorney and you have a problem you need it to be solved i you know i have a gotten a car accident i'm getting a divorce i have a, an issue I'm, I'm facing criminal charges or whatever it is I just didn't want to do any of that. So the reason I like a lot of intellectual property is most of the time the clients are coming in and they're excited. They're building a business or working on a startup. They're getting something or they've been in business for a few years and they're expanding and they're growing. And now is how do I protect what I'm investing in or what I build? And so then we get to sit down and talk through, okay, well, what are you doing as a business? Do you create apparatuses, devices? Do we go down the patent round or are you a brand business? And do you get, you know, do you have a, a great brand and a great reputation and we help you out with a trademark or any number of things? And so for me, really, most of the stories that come to mind is just people coming in that either have a business that's been going a few years and are wanting to get some protections in place. They didn't or probably should have earlier on, but are now circling back to it or people that have a great idea wanting to get started out early on and excited and then looking to get it protected. So I think that answers some of your question. I don't know. And it does. And I just want to backfill some of my understanding because I've also gone through this process a bit is what then are those things that need protection and the kinds of protection. I, I have a trademark on the drop-in CEO. I'm so glad I did that because it carries a lot of weight with who and what I do. I also wrote a book, which I believe has some copyright protection on it as well. But maybe you could just tell us what the biggest things of IP that you do protect and why. Yeah. So kind of maybe as a, as a quick summary or background. So when you hear IP or intellectual property, that's kind of an, an umbrella term. So it can kind of encapsulates multiple facets of different ways to protect your business. And so within intellectual property, there are three primary avenues. So one is patents, second one's trademarks, third one's copyrights. Um, so patents are generally going to go towards an invention. So functionality, it does something, it performs something, it has a utility nature to it. So it can be everything from hardware, software, electronics. You can do it for some food products. You can do it for pharmaceuticals. You can do it for chemi or chemical products. So there's a pretty wide swath, but it's kind of a, hey, I created something. I'm putting in time and effort to make something. And now I'd want to protect it and protect that value. And you go through with patents. Trademarks are going to be more for branding. So it's kind of, as you mentioned, you know, name of a podcast, but it, a lot of times it's name of a business, name of a product or a service, catchphrase, um, logo, all of those tend to fall under trademarks. And so really, if you're looking, hey, I'm building a brand, um, you know, these are the aspects that are that are going to be important to the brand. It most of the time falls under trademarks as far as how you protect that. The last one is copyrights and you hit on as well. And copyrights tend to go for things that are more creative in nature. So a book, a podcast, a video, a movie, a sculpture, a painting, a photograph, those type of things that are all more on that creative side. So if you're doing things that are on the creative side and you're 
making something that's not, maybe not an invention, maybe it's not new and breakthrough, but it's creative and you're writing a book or you're doing a sculpture or a painting or you're getting something of that nature, then you're going to protect it under uh, under copyright. So you kind of look and say patents are for inventions, trademarks are for brands, copyrights are for creatives. So you may or may not answer this question. You might say, Deb, let's take it offline. However, <laughs> I have... Go ahead and answer. All I'll, right. I'll, yeah, I'll we'll do see. my best. My coaching here. Um, I have a trademark. It's on my wall right now. The drop-in CEO. I won't even tell you the registration number. So it's on the wall right now. But you just mentioned podcast. I have the drop-in CEO podcast. Mm-hmm. What, what risk do I have? Am I trademark protected because of that name? Or is there some other risk or coverage I might want to consider because you said podcast is then the creative extension or part of the brand. Curious. <laughs> yeah. So if you're to look at podcasts, there really would be a couple different avenues. And so back, yeah, not all of these are mutually exclusive. I mean, you don't just do one and you don't have to do the other. Okay. Sometimes there's going to be overlap within the business. And so if I were to look at, you know, general podcasts, um, you know, you really have two things. One is going to be the branding side. And that's where you started with the trademark. Um, you know, typically there are a couple different ways that you go about protecting it. One is or with trademarks. Let me back up with trademarks there are two different types of trademarks. One's called mm-hmm. a word mark. The other one's called a design mark. Okay. Word mark is going to go towards a word or a phrase. Design mark is going to go towards something that has a design, aesthetic in nature, a look and feel to it, typically a logo. Mm. And so when you're looking at <laughs> trademarks, they, they protect two different aspects, right? One is the word or the, or the phrase. And if you think of an example, Nike has a trademark for the word Nike. They also have the Nike Swoosh, which is going to be a design mark. They use a lot, both of them a lot. Same thing as sometimes with the podcast. If you have a logo, you have something that's aesthetic in nature, whether it's an icon or whether it's a logo or, or something that, that's going to fall under a design. You'd get, get a separate uh, trademark for the design mark on that. And then you'd get uh, the, the word mark for the, the name of the podcast. The other thing you'd look at is, and people say, I'm starting a podcast, does that fall under copyrights? And my answer is yes and no. So it does fall under copyrights in the sense that you can take an, an episode or a series of episodes, you can go get a copyright registration on them, shows you own it. Now, the question a lot of times with podcasts is, is whether or not there is any given episode that is worthwhile to copyright in and of itself. Because a lot of times anybody comes along and takes one episode, knocks it off, copies it, throws it up on YouTube, does whatever, it's really not going to, that in and of itself isn't going to be that impactful to business. It's not going to be that big of a deal because what you're doing is building a brand, a series, you're releasing new episodes, people are following it and listening to it, so it's the brand. Now, if on the other hand, you have a episode or a video or whatever that goes viral, lots of people listen to it, lots of downloads, continues to get ongoing people interested in it, then that's a lot of times where you get into getting a copyright. So now that specific or particular episode has enough value in and of itself, by itself, standalone, then it makes sense to get to a copyright. So if you're to go for a podcast, it's most of the time falls primarily under trademarks, with the exception if you have something more of a viral in nature content, then you'll also go for copyright. So this has been super, super helpful because what it helps me to think about is that the brand is the drop-in CEO, but the business entity is Illumination Partners. And I have a very custom logo that was handwritten or handcrafted that goes associated Mm. with my business. Now I have my business LLC that's registered, but the logo itself is not protected. And also my brand images, there's, there's an elegant creative nature to it. 
that's unique to me, or I believe so, and I may want to consider that. But the thing about the copywriting of the podcast episodes, that is my livelihood right now, how I reach my audience, build my brand, build my content. So you've given me a lot of food for thought. And I know a lot of podcasters that also listen to this. So something for people to think about, because this leads into my next question. I wanted to take a moment to remind you that a recent study showed nearly 60% of leaders feel depleted at the end of the day. And this feeling is a key indicator of burnout and makes it difficult to lead and inspire others. If you've ever experienced that restless exhaustion, you know why CEOs are amongst the most likely candidates for experiencing job frustration. I wrote The CEO's Compass, your guide to get back on track to confront those feelings and create a plan that is sustainable for you and your organization. I created a seven-point assessment that will help you figure out your problems in days, not months. And it includes so many resources, worksheets, videos, and much, much more. If this is you, please head over to my website, dropinceo.com, and click on my products, The CEO's Compass, and order yours on Amazon or other outlets. And now back to the conversation. Small and medium-sized entities that have not heeded your warning or done this, what bad things can happen to a company if they don't consider protecting their intellectual property? Worst case scenario, your company gets sued, you go bankrupt and out of business. (laughs) Now that's the worst case. That's the worst (laughs) case scenario. I mean, give you a couple, uh, you know, real world. I always get people to say, well, what's my worst case scenario? I'm like, I can think of some fairly bad scenarios that you probably isn't likely to happen, but it's technically possible that it happens. You know, generally the issues you get into is a lot of times, especially going back to the trademark side and the branding for a lot of times, because that's where I would say the majority of people tend to have issues pop up as they they'll start with a whatever brand it is. We'll just take podcasts as an example. And it starts out small. You have a few downloads. You don't have it's not going too much anywhere. And so you're saying, hey, I haven't really built any value or business or you know value into it. The business is small and it's uh, still a side hustle or a hobby. And so you don't don't invest in it. Don't worry about a trademark. Don't worry about a brand because at that point, you know, somebody to come along, they were to tell you you had to change your name or you have to shift it. You're saying, hey, it's still pretty small. It's not that big of a deal. But then when you move farther along and it starts to get an audience, starts to get bigger, people oftentimes don't think about circling back or, or starting to actually protect it. And then they'll come to find out that that brand is already out there. Somebody else has already trademarked the same thing or something similar. And now they have done a lot of time, money, and effort. They've built an audience. They have built a brand. And they're looking at, okay, what are my options? And all the options are bad. You either have to or rebrand, you have to go out and change the name, change the logo and try and let your audience know and put give them a heads up. Or you have to try and go get a license from the other individual that owns it if they're willing to give you a license. Or you have to try and go and adjudicate it in court and argue as to why you're different and why they wouldn't be a trademark issue. And all of those are not fun things. And so most of the time it's, kind of an incremental, hey, I'm getting the business going. I don't need it now. I never circle back. And then by the time I do circle back, it's because somebody sent me a cease and desist letter or a nasty letter from another attorney and I'm having to deal with it. 
So that is a lot about the work that I do. I appreciate you sharing the worse or mm, ugly <laughs> situations of what could happen if we don't at least start thinking about this in our journey. Any entity we're starting, even if we're still in our own business, but maybe we put out a paper or something like that. Hopefully it's not uh, connected to a business or a university, but anytime we start putting our thought leadership out there, we start writing an ebook or a white paper, all of that, we need to be thinking about this because we may be thinking small, oh, it's not going to impact me, but we're just rolling the dice and saying it's not going to happen when in actuality, when we least expect it, bad things happen. And I don't wish that on anybody, but anybody that's listening to this, even if it's not directly affecting you, but maybe you're in a smaller, medium-sized company and you are just going like gangbusters, you're starting to see that hockey stick go up. Think about those risks and have a conversation with somebody like Devin. You know, it could be the best few minutes, few hours of your time just to understand what your options are. And then you can make an informed decision. Worst thing to do is call you, Devin, when you're in trouble. I'm sure you like the business, but it's not a good place. <laughs> yeah, always happy to help people out. But yeah, it's never a good place. And it's not, it's, those are always the conversations of, hey, you don't have any good options. What are your, what are the options you're left with? And I always much prefer working earlier on to say, let's get things in place. And so you don't run into those issues. And it's a lot cheaper and, and less time, money and effort to do it on the front end than it is once you're having to deal with the issues on the back end. I think you've got an amazing brand here. And I it's interesting. I'm not sure how many other legal entities practice like you. I mean, are you in the front runner? Are there others like you as well? You know, it's a big enough world. I never say that I'm the only one because I always figure there's someone else that's <laughs> out there. But I would say I don't, you know, for me, when I, both when I was doing my law practice for others, but particularly when I did Miller IP law, I was, I don't, I don't like the way that traditional law firms are set up on a number of, or number of angles. One is, you know, they're generally... Most people, when they think of an attorney, it's I'm in their suit and a tie. They're in a big office building, it's wood adorned. They have old style leather seats. And, you know, it's a very formal and almost, you know, kind of scary situation. And I don't want to be that type of an attorney. Me, it's much more of, hey, I want to be down on the same, same plane as the startups and small business because I've done startups and small businesses. And so I always look at it and say, you know, whether it's how my office is set up, if you were to see my office, I have three huge screens mounted onto the wall, which is not normal. I've got lights all over. It's, you know, it's fun in the background. I have an ice maker in my office and it's just kind of a different setting, which is, hey, this is a normal person's office or at least, in, you know, down to earth. And that's kind of the way I approach it. But then I also always look at, you know, how does, how would it, if I was in the, the shoes of a startup or a small business, how would I want this to be approached? What are the steps? What are we thinking about? How, what makes their life easier? And I think a lot of times, most of the time when you get into the legal stuff, you'll get very good attorneys that never really think about the business side, never really done the a startup or a small business, and they don't have that experience. And so you're getting very good legal advice, but you're not getting the rest of that package. And so I would say it probably, at least in the minority, in the sense that you know most of them don't take that approach of, of, of doing it they just do it as how it's always been done, whether it makes sense or not. They just do the traditional way because that's how it's always been done. And I always step back and say, do I like the way it's been done? Does it make sense to me? If so, then I'll keep doing it that way. If I don't like it or doesn't make sense to me, then let's figure out a better way. And that is why you are the perfect guest for the Drop-In CEO podcast, because you found a niche. You're highly relatable to people. You do things different on your own terms. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter about what your intellect or your IP or expertise is. It's about how can we serve others and can you get people or 
are people drawn to the work that you do because they trust you and they value what you do and you understand them. So beautifully said. And I think we could talk for quite some time. I do want to say I sincerely appreciate a little bit of spot advice here so I can think about how to protect this amazing brand that I have and company. But as we bring this to a close, are there any last thoughts you want to share with our listeners? Oh, I could go on for hours and I'd probably be the only one that would find it would be interesting, but I could, you know, talk about it all. But I, you know, I think that two things, uh, you know, one will be a shameless self-promotion, but I'll put that afterwards. But before I get to that, I think that the the main thing that I've learned both at doing my own startup, small business, as well as working with a ton of them is you're going to have to be in it for the long run and you're going to have to be in for the ride. I mean, I think a lot of times you listen to this and I love it and I'm excited and I enjoy it. And that's all true, but it doesn't mean that every day I go into work, it's fun or it's exciting or every day that I enjoy it. And there, you know, I always used to, I used to compare it. Then I stole someone else's analogy. I used to say, it's like your roller coaster and you know, you have your ups and your downs and you know, and that, and I'm like, then I had someone else that was, you know, I was talking with one day and like, you know, it's not really like a roller coaster. It's much more like the whole theme park. You know, you get to the theme park, you're excited, you get your ticket, you go in and it starts out fun. And then you go on a few rides, you get banged around a bit, you get sick, you have to take a break. And then you go and stuff yourself with core dogs and you're too full. And then you go on the rides and it's fun and it's up and down. And I'm like, you know, it's really like that whole theme park experience to where you, it's kind of the whole day at the theme park is what a startup is. And I'm like, you know, that's probably a much better analogy that I tend to like. And so it, it kind of is one where that would be kind of my party gift is you're going to go in. It's going to be the theme park. It's going to be exciting when you get out and then you're going to get sick. You're going to have to take a break. You're going to go do other things. You're going to go on the roller coaster and the bumper cars. And then you're going to, you're going to, at the end of the day, hopefully you had a, a fun time and you'll, you'll, you'll continue to do it. So that, that'd probably be my, my parting gift or parting thought before or we talk a little bit about if people want to or connect up or reach out more. Well, first of all, you made me laugh because that's where I feel like, though I think I'm going kind of going up the roller coaster right now. Can't wait to see what happens on the other side. But yeah, I have probably thrown up a few times with going on this journey. But now a shameless plug. I give you the floor. All right. Well, I, I always like to give a few different ways for people to connect up with me, depending on how they want to connect up. So I'll give three different ways. Um, so one is if they just want to do, we offer free consultations, 15, 20 minutes. Um, and I always found that as, hey, you know, it may it's not going to answer every question you ever have, but it gives you a pretty good place to start, understand which direction you should go, answer a few of your questions and see if we can help you out. So if people want to do a uh, grab a free some free time with me for a consultation, they can always go to strategymeeting.com. Um, it goes right to my calendar. You can grab some time there. Um, second way that they can connect up with me is, you know, I'm not huge on so or most social media platforms. We have a presence, but the one I actually I'm fairly active on is LinkedIn. Um, so if they ever want to connect up with me on LinkedIn, they can just go to meetmiller.com. That'll take you right to my LinkedIn uh, LinkedIn profile. Um, and then the last one is if they just want to find out more about, we have all of our flat fees on our website, makes it simple. We have a ton of resources. We have a lot of information. Um, we tried to set it up so it actually is helpful as opposed to just pretty. Um, and so if you want to go to our website, they can go to lawwithmiller.com. So the three ones is a quick reminder, grab a consult at strategymeeting.com, connect up with me on LinkedIn at meetmiller.com and go to our website at lawwithmiller.com. Devin, I have so enjoyed this conversation. I sincerely appreciate you dropping in on the podcast. And I just want to wish you a lot of energy for all that you're doing and continue success and you be well. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. I hope you are inspired by our conversation and can apply what you heard to your business or career goals. 
If you found this valuable, please share this show with at least one friend who will find it useful and inspiring. When you share this podcast, it allows me to continue to help C-suite leaders of today and tomorrow to navigate their challenges with confidence. To connect with me or learn more about the Drop-In CEO services, go to my website at dropinceo.com. And until we meet, I wish you well and much success.